You are now listening to the Legends Lingo Podcast, presented by Student Union Sports. Here are your hosts, Al and Powder. Enjoy the show. What's up, everybody? Welcome back in Legends Lingo Podcast, episode 211, presented by StudentUnionSports.com. Make sure to check out all the blogs, all of the podcasts, and everything that's going on at StudentUnionSports.com. And if you want to get involved in sports writing, or you want to get involved in podcasting, blogging, or all the behind-the-scenes work on how a productive and successful sports website works, contact Student Union Sports, whether you are just about to graduate high school or in college, or you're in your mid-30s and you're looking for something a little different, maybe a hobby, so to speak. Make sure to DM Student Union Sports on either Instagram or Twitter or anywhere else where you can find them. We are always looking for contributors at Student Union Sports. Alan Hagen here, Powder here. Yep. Powder, did you take a day off today? I did not. I um I uh-huh. went in the office. <laughs> Sorry. Now we just coming off scheduling. Now we're like we had three weeks of where we basically had nothing but scheduling, so we're trying to get Back on track, ready for the season that starts literally in 25 days from today. Baseball season starts for me, so. Three and a half weeks, so that means you're going to be mm-hmm. full tilt from March until August. Like August 15th, I think, is the last day or something like that. Oh, boy. Take off as many days as you need to. I had a day off today, snow day. <laughs> it's great. Loved every mm-hmm. second of it. Took had last week off because of February break. Went into work Monday, snow day Tuesday, so it's a four day week. It's just <laughs> fantastic. Love it. Love yeah. Had to had to throw that brag, but not a lot to talk about this week. There were some things that happened that we're going to get into. We're hopefully going to have a guest about the Bruins coming next week, real quick. And and I'll just make this a minute thing, Powder. I don't know if you saw the big trade that happened with the Bruins. Yeah, I saw I saw details. Obviously, we know I don't follow hockey a ton, so I saw it was a good trade for the Bruins. I saw a lot of positive feedback, but don't really know the players that well. No, that's fair. So basically, and I'll I'll basically go for like one to two minutes about this. Boston Bruins acquired defenseman Dmitry Orlov and forward Garnett Halfway from the Washington Capitals in exchange for forward Craig Smith and three draft picks. I'm not going to get into the specifics with that. Dmitry Orlov is a defenseman that can play on the first line with Charlie McAvoy, which I think is great. So if you want to move Orlov to that first line with McAvoy and move Lindholm down to the second line, that just makes your defense even deeper than it already is. And Garnett Hathaway is a guy, he's kind of like an intimidating type of guy, a big bruising guy that'll lay checks when he needs to and actually provide some scoring on that third or fourth line. So another deep piece. And Craig Smith's a guy that's been kind of thrown around in trade talk. So he only had about four goals in 42 games, but he was he was fine as a Bruin for those three years. You know, wish him nothing but the best, but... Overall, I think a pretty solid trade for the Bruins. So good good job, Don Sweeney. Now sign David Poster now, please. Mm-hmm. All right, Powder, you can pick the next topic. What do you want um, to Um let's get into Patriots. I think we have an interesting topic to talk about with the Patriots. All right. So the Patriots, there was a report that came out about quarterback Mac Jones, because let's be honest, when is there not a report about quarterback Mac mm-hmm. Jones? So the report basically said that, quote, Patriots quarterback Mac Jones had coaches instructed not to be too hard on the quarterback in an effort to protect him from being too critical of himself. There was an issue in 2021 with Jones struggling after getting yelled at, according to a source. This was written by Dove Kleiman of FoxSports.com. Actually, I don't know if he wrote it, but he put the tweet out. Anyways, at what point are fans going to have going to accept 
that Mac Jones is the quarterback for 2023. Unless it's a 2021 situation where Bailey Zappi clearly outplays Mac Jones, just like Mac Jones clearly outplayed Cam Newton, and they want to go that direction, then fine. He gets beat out. It is what it is. Like, it's going to stink, but maybe Zappi is the answer long-term. Who knows? But can we just give the kid a year where he actually has a legitimate offensive coordinator, a legitimate quarterback's coach, both in the same Maybe they get a wide receiver in a trade. Maybe they draft a wide receiver. They actually are working out Slade Bolden, who was Mac Jones' roommate at Alabama, and a big part of their offense when they won the national championship in Max last year at Alabama. So maybe a wide receiver comes into play powder. Maybe they get a running back like Leonard Fournette's on the market now. Maybe he comes in and is a backup to Ramondre Stevenson. The point I'm trying to make is why are we grasping at straws here? I think it's ridiculous. I think it's just at this point – let the kid prove it in training camp. Let the kid play out 2023. And if it doesn't work, then you can move on. It's fine. Like, I get it. Like, the people that want Bailey Zappi right now, it's just, why? Because he had games against three three of the worst defenses in the NFL in Green Bay, Cleveland, and Detroit? Like, give me a break. But that's all I got to say on it. Powder, what do you got? Yeah, just... People need, like you said, people need to accept that Mac Jones is the starter for at least next year and that article like some not everybody's a Tom Brady or one of those types that can that feeds off of people yelling at him getting his face like some people need to be um like loved and just slapped on the ass and said good game instead of someone screaming at them we both know it as coaches and stuff like that you deal with different players some players they love love someone being hard on them. I think I always play better with harder coaches who were more strict and would yell at me. But then I had teammates who were the exact opposite. They would shut down. They would they would do a lot worse with a coach who yelled at them. So you just have to accept different people have different respo- uh, personalities and respond differently to different styles of coaching. Styles of coaching are going to happen. You know, you're going to get some guys like Tony Dungy that, you know, Hall of Famer for the Buccaneers and the Colts, a guy that was mild-mannered, a guy that was, you know, rarely like a player's type of coach. And then you have the hard asses in John Gruden, you know, although he's not a great guy with emails and everything, but, you know, <laughs> that type of coaching style, you know? And, yeah. and and that's the thing is that you're going to have Bill O'Brien. He's going to get in players' faces. He's gotten Tom Brady's face before. We've yeah. seen that viral, viral clip in 2011. So guess what? We're going to really see if Matt can take it because I think he wants to be coached hard. And maybe this is just a piece where it's lighting a fire underneath him. Who knows? But at the very worst, let him have his year. And then, and I know I'm repeating myself, but it's so true. If he does bad, you don't have to pick up his fifth year option. You can go with Bailey Zappi, who's still young. And who knows? He could be really, really good. He only had really two starts last year. He came into that Green Bay game. But if he's the answer and we don't know it, then it's Brady for Bledsoe all over again. Yeah. So who knows? But give it another year and let's stop with these narratives. Like just accept that he's going to be the 2023 quarterback for the Patriots. I'm fine with it. I'm good with it because I think we're going to see a lot of first year Mac in year three. We're not going to see as much second year because we're actually going to see a legitimate NFL offense. Any final thoughts, Powder? No, let's just see how the pages do this year and we can reevaluate after this year. 
All right, let's let's talk Celtics real quick, and then we'll do the Red Sox stuff toward the end because I feel like there's a lot that we can kind of dissect there. Yeah. With the Celtics, I want to talk about Jason Tatum for a second. So Jason Tatum, we talked about it last week. He won the All-Star Game MVP, had 55 points, went off. Since then, he's had 18 points, 14 points, and gotten ejected from a game against the Knicks on Monday night in which the Celtics lost. The Celtics right now, percentage points-wise, are behind the Bucs in the standings in the Eastern Conference. They're second right now, and the Bucs are first. The Bucs are playing the Brooklyn Nets on Tuesday night, so hopefully the Nets can pull out a victory and the Celtics can be back on top while you're listening to this. But with Jason Tatum, what I wonder is, is he really a clutch player? And here's the reason that I'm saying that. And for anyone that's listening, I'm not trying to like grasp at straws or draw headlines. I want you to think about this for a second. ESPN did put up a stat that said Jason Tatum has made nine baskets in the last minute to either go ahead or win the game, which I understand. But how many times have we seen, even in this year, how many times have we seen Jason Tatum go down the court one minute left and try to force a pass and either throw it away or throw it out of bounds? We saw it literally in the Philadelphia game. The Philadelphia game, he had a couple turnovers before he made that big three to win it. So it's literally he put himself and the Celtics in the position where he had to make a play like that to win the game. So if you're going to argue that, my argument to you is, well, why is he not making smarter decisions with the ball? That's the big thing. When he knows that a double team's coming, why is he not hitting the open player right away? Get the ball out of your hands. Find a better shot. Have Rob Williams and Al Horford set you some screens to get open and then find a better shot. Because guess what, Powder? Some of these attempts that he's taking, contested, fadeaways, double teamed, it's not good for the Celtics long term. Because if they want to win a championship, guess what, Powder? Jason Tatum's going to have to show up. Yep. Why did you lose in the finals last year? Because Jason Tatum had a lousy finals. He was great through the regular season, had a monster playoff series against the Bucs in the semifinals of the Eastern Conference, but guess what? In the finals, he didn't have it. And you can say that both of those are true. So if I'm the Celtics, I'm a little worried about Jason Tatum when the moment's the biggest and when it's the brightest. Yeah, no, I have to agree with you. Just him maturing. Like, obviously, he's a superstar. He's matured so much in the league. But to really get to that top five player, you have to be able to play well for 48 minutes, not just the first 40 and then come end of the game you collapse and you um and you can't help the team win even yes he makes shots at the end of the game help this us win but like you said if he had better decision making he doesn't have to make those shots the celtics instead of being tied at the end of like the last 10 seconds they're up four where they just have to hold the ball and the game ends because he didn't cost the team a couple points because of turnovers. And also we've seen this with some, like obviously some great players came in the league, Kobe, and he was already a, had the killer mentality and didn't matter what the situation was. He could hit a shot no matter what. But it took LeBron that finals against um, the Mavericks where he was such a shell of himself. He looked awful and then came back, went back-to-back with the Heat and – I think he's really sad. Like, obviously, he broke someone around, but I think he established himself in the next couple of finals of being a clutch player and being able to hit those big shots. So it takes some time for even the great ones 
to have that mentality and be able to make those plays late in a game. So I think Tatum's coming into that, and I think he might still be a year away from the final piece that makes him a top-five player in the NBA. He's obviously top 10. We all know that. He's a superstar, but there's still some the end of the games, he definitely has to get better. I mean, I think he does. And you know what? I'm I'm going to give a hot take here. I think Jalen Brown, I might have even said this last episode, and I'll say it again if that's the case. Mm-hmm. I think Jalen Brown is a more consistent scorer than Jason Tatum. I think Jalen Brown, you can pencil in at least for 20 points, if not 25, almost every night. Jason yeah. Tatum, yeah, he has his big games. Like he had that big game six in Milwaukee last year where he had like 41 or whatever it was. And he'll have those types of games, but he'll have the games where he's had lately with 18, 14, and he'll have bad shooting nights. Yeah. But guess what? Jalen Brown, pretty much steady Eddie finds a way to score, you know, 20 something almost every game. Mm -hmm. So, so again, if you're the Celtics, that's my biggest concern right now. Make sure Jason Tatum is making the right plays. Make sure he's taking the right shots and make sure that he's putting his team in a position to win because the Celtics a lot of people are saying the Celtics are the best team in the NBA, and I think they still are, but when they play the right way. yeah. When they're not shooting the ball well, perfect example is Monday night against the Knicks. They shot the ball terribly. They played bad perimeter defense. They ended up losing by eight double digits. So again, make sure that if you're the star of this team, which Jason Tatum is, and everyone's saying Jason Tatum is supposed to be, then start doing what superstars do. Make the right play. Doesn't have to be flashy. Doesn't have to be a fadeaway one leg like Dirk Nowitzki used to do. It can be making the routine pass, getting a better shot for someone else, and winning the game that way. That's what true stars do. That's why the Spurs were so good for so long. They played so unselfishly. They would pass the ball so much and always have an open shot. They'd always somehow find – you watch highlights, obviously – their highlights, but even just watching games of the Spurs when they were rolling with Duncan, Parker, and Ginobili, like they would always somehow have someone open. And they would find them too. It wouldn't just have someone open. They would find them. Those Spurs teams were so good. I feel bad for Greg Popovich. The, the Spurs were on like a 16-game losing streak. He shouldn't go out that way. That poor guy. I know. I know. But regardless, Powder? Yep. I think it's time to talk about A and B kitchen and bar before we get into some Red Sox stuff. Oh yeah. I'm so excited. Have my reservation made for Thursday. Cause I'm going Bruins game, big Bruins Sabres game. And me and my fiance are heading to AB kitchen and bar before we um, go over to Bruins game. And like I say, every week, AB kitchen bar is located in Boston, Massachusetts, right across the street from the TD garden. It's a great spot to meet up um, before, after even during a Bruins Celtics, and um or concert it's just where people uh where you can get great food great drinks um like i say every week everything is local from about 100 miles from boston so you're getting that local meat you're getting the local sodas you're getting all that stuff local beers local wine and great food is great atmosphere they also have a sister restaurant amb burgers that's located in beverly massachusetts um that's more of a high-end burger restaurant that's in my opinion, the best burgers I've ever had. And uh, you can go there for a great atmosphere too. But um, if you go A&B Kitchen Bar in Boston, like I'm doing this uh, on Thursday before a Bruins game or a Celtics game, make sure you tell them the Legends Lingo Boy sent you. 
So Al's taking a quick break. I can get into our next topic with the MLB pitch clock. There's a new rule that Major League Baseball implemented this year at the Major League level. They had it at the Minor League level last year. That's a pitch clock, which it's a, I want to say, 20-second pitch clock. Batters have to be looking at the pitcher by eight seconds, and I think the pitcher has to pitch a ball before the clock expires. And it's causing a couple – for most part, I've seen it very positive reviews of it, but obviously there's some tweaks. Like I know I saw James Kierczak of the Guardians. He was pitching. He asked for a new ball, and he has a whole routine he tries to go through before he pitches, like throws the ball up and just to get him in the right mind space before throwing a pitch. But when he asked for a new ball, the pitch clock did not reset. And he got an automatic ball. So what happens is if a pitcher's not ready and pitching the ball by a certain time, then automatic ball is called. If there's if the batter's not ready in time, then then automatic strike is called. And we even saw actually as Red Sox fans, they're playing, I want to say it was the Braves last week, and it was six six, bottom nine. Bases loaded, two outs, three-two count. Hitter wasn't ready. Called strike three. Game ends. So it's definitely one of the new rules, but I think it's a good thing. So I'm just reading the rules right now. Uh, 15 seconds with bases empty. 20 seconds with runners on. A violation's on Mac. Uh, ball or strike. So let me just get into. But I think. I'm trying to think what the uh, that, Red, that Red Sox Braves ending that you were just talking about. Absolutely yeah. stunning. I don't care that it's spring training. Like, just let them throw the last pitch. Like, who cares? I know. I know. But but um, but yeah. So that's the new pitch clock. I don't know, Al. Have you seen a lot on it? Like, have you been able to catch some games with it? A little bit here and there. I've also seen some highlights on Twitter too. I don't know if you saw this, but did you see the video that compared Pedro Baez in the Oh my god, I NLCS. That was one of the funniest videos I've ever seen. It took him seven inside the park home runs for him to throw a pitch. I know. So for anybody that doesn't know the video, Pedro Baez, remember the LA Dodgers in 2016 when they were playing the Cubs in their World Series run in 2016, was facing Red Sox legend David Ross, actually. Yep. So Ross is in the box, Baez is pitching. He throws a pitch, and then they started a thing where in the bottom right corner of the video, Jose Altuve's, Altuve is running out an inside-the-park home run. Jose Altuve ran seven inside-the-park home runs before Baez threw his next pitch to Ross. Yeah. So that was at least, what, at least two minutes, two and a half oh, minutes? Because like Baez that. was stepping off. He was doing his inside move, all this stuff. Like It, yeah. it was just crazy. So... I think that video depicts it perfectly, Powder. Yeah. I think this this pitch clock move once the once the major leaguers because don't forget the minor leaguers did this last year, so they yeah. they already know what's going on. Yeah. But the major leaguers, I think once they get accustomed to it, I think by like, I think even by like mid April, early May, they'll be fine. Oh yeah. Like and it, it's it's an adjustment. Yeah, and like I was saying right before you got back, but I don't know if you saw the video of the Guardians game, James Kierczak. Of the Guardians was pitching, asked for a new ball, and he does a thing where he throws the ball up and he kind of gets in the right mindset. But you could tell he has it paced down, so he never 
has a pitch clock violation. He's still learning. Like you can tell he's trying to speed it up. But mm-hmm. he asked for a new ball and the clock didn't reset. And the umpire didn't realize the clock didn't reset. So he got called for a ball and he doesn't argue it. Like he's just like, okay. But that's like a couple of things that obviously come regular season game that shouldn't happen where it could affect the outcome of game where the um pitchers called for a violation where he asked for a new ball where the clock should have been reset. Like they obviously have to make sure that stuff like that is corrected come regular season. Yeah. And I mean, it's, it's a new process. And I mean, yeah. there's, there's obviously the pitch clock, there's the bigger bases, you know, no shift stuff like that. Yeah. I think believe it or not powder. And I'd like to call yourself and myself baseball purists. Yeah. Like I, I think we love the game of baseball and I would say, correct me if I'm wrong, but we're both eye test guys. Like we, we, we look with our eyes about the game. Yeah. Oh yeah. More than more than the stats. Yeah. I think that this is going to make a much better product because oh, the game's sure. going to be quicker. Obviously, there will be more opportunities, especially for the lefties, to get more hits mm-hmm. and obviously drive in more runs and have more offense in the game of baseball. Yeah. So I think that this is going to be great. Like Raphael Devers the other day hit a ball in between the first second base hole where last year, if they have the shift, that's right to – you know, the shortstop, whoever in right field, and they're throwing him out from right field. Yep. So I, I was just going to say, I don't know if you went to a minor league game last year, but I went to a Sox game last year and the pitch clock, Evaldi started in rehab start. So when Evaldi was on the mound, he didn't have a pitch clock because obviously he's a major leaguer. They don't, you get grandfathered, grandfathered out of it if you're a major league pitcher on a rehab start last year. But for, it was actually against the, um, Yankees triple A team and whenever the Yankees were pitching they're all doing minor leaguers they had a pitch clock and all honestly after the first three batters I completely forgot there was a pitch clock and it seemed like it was moving like a good pace and you honestly just forget it's there and especially when you're at a game but even when you watch a game you forget the pitch clock's there and again right and again to reemphasize i do think that this is going to be something that the major leaguers by may are going to be like all right we got this down yeah like it's going to make the game faster which i love and cuz i mean think about it right you're not unless you're a season ticket holder like you're not going to go to all the games you're going to watch the games on tv and if yeah. a game starts at 7 o'clock, 7:05 start and the game's done by 9:30 that's perfect oh yeah you know you watch the game you enjoy it it's two and a half hours and then you go to bed or Whatever you do after 9.30. I don't know. But baseball needed something to entice the fans with the low attention spans, the TikTok generation of kids that have that Mm. TikTok level and just amount of time. Instant gratification. Instant gratification. That's it. That's a big thing in this world. A lot of people want instant gratification. Yeah. And this was MLB's way of saying, here's your instant gratification. Yeah. We're going to make the game shorter. Boom. Easy. Like, I just can't imagine how, like, you've heard of the Savannah Bananas, right? Oh, I'm I'm on their, like, wait list. Hopefully I can get a ticket for this summer when they come to either Massachusetts or I think it's Rhode Island. Yeah. that Or whatever. They're coming to two cities in New England, I think. And Yeah, it's, it's hope- Massachusetts and Rhode Island. You're right. Yep, and I'm hoping and- grab tickets for... For one of those. Oh, that would be sick. Also, yeah. too, the fact that they play less than two hours, it's crazy to me. I know. Crazy. 
And I love the way they do every inning is like a game where like whoever yeah. wins that inning gets a point and you're up three to two because you won three innings to and you've lost two. A couple of former Red Sox have have played for the bananas. Johnny Gomes has played for the Savannah yeah. Bananas. Johnny Damon actually the other day played for them. Yeah. So and it's cool because they're like legit. Some guys have signed pro contracts from the Savannah Bananas because it's not like where it's the Home Globe Trotters or something like that. Who obviously those players are very, very talented, but that's a big show. Like baseball, you had like there, there's guys who are throwing in the nineties on those teams that do it because it's their one shot to maybe they get seen from it, and now they go play pro ball. Whatever, whatever's they're doing, they need to keep yeah. it up. The guy right. that that that's the owner is actually uh, he's a Massachusetts guy. Really? Yeah, he's uh, I think he's a Situate guy actually. Hmm. South Shore. Shout out to the South Shore. Yeah. But anyways, uh, any final thoughts on the pitch clock before we get into this one Red Sox tidbit, and then we can kind of head out for the week? No, I think I got most of it out. <clears throat> All right. So I wanted to talk about this one Red Sox tidbit, then we'll kind of head out for the week. Like we said, it was a short episode. Not a lot happened. But anyways, so there was a article written by former Legend Single podcast guest, Chris Cotillo. I think multiple time guest, Chris. Multiple, definitely. Yep. And basically he wrote about how Tristan Casas had his pregame routine of sunbathing in the outfield and doing yoga and stuff like that. And one of the Red Sox veteran pitchers had a problem with it. And they apparently had talked to Casas about it and this whole thing. So I just, I just want to say this. If you really have, like you're, how do, how do I put this delicately? If you're really that upset about a guy sunbathing in the outfield when nobody's around for like eight hours before the game, or even if it's three hours before the game, you just don't like fun and you just don't want people to be happy. Because why would a Red Sox pitcher be so worried about Tristan Costa is taking up a small section of Fenway Park to just get some rays, get some sun before the game. And then he takes a pregame nap, I guess, before like, okay, fine. Who cares? Like, why are we getting it? And this is similar to like the Mac Jones piece that we talked about earlier in the program. Why are we getting so upset about a guy trying to keep his routine that he's had in the minor leagues? Because Tristan Costas did this all throughout the minor leagues and everything. And now that he's in the major leagues, like, I just, I don't understand what the big deal is. Powder, maybe you feel differently about it, but to me, if Tristan Costas wants to sunbathe for like half an hour and then take a nap for half an hour and then do his, do what he needs to do on the field to prep for a game, just let him do it. Who cares? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Especially coming from the organization that had Manny Ramirez for so long and you can look up any clip of Manny Ramirez for his whole career in Boston and what he used to do. The time he went to the bathroom in the Green Monster during a pitching change and wasn't even ready when the pitcher was done warming up. Like as we know, we're both like we just talked about. We're both huge baseball guys, and we know baseball is a game of routine. Being a baseball player, baseball coach, whatever. If you love routine, you have your superstitions, some more than others. But maybe Cassis did this before a game one time and went 
four for four, two bombs and two doubles. And ever since then, he's done the same thing. I remember when the probably my most favorite baseball season ever as a player, I won a pair of underwear at Dave and Buster's and then I wore it like the night before my next game and had a great game. And the rest of the season, I wore the same underwear before each game and everything like that. I did wash it. I wasn't one of those that didn't wash my underwear, but thank you for elaborating on that part. Yep. I did wash it after every use, but I still like, I was very superstitious. Like that's why I did good. Obviously the underwear had nothing to do with me doing good, but it's being a positive mindset and the routine to make you feel good for a sport that you play so much. And it's such a grind, especially at the major league level on the body. It's just his way of making sure his body's always prepared for the, for that game. And I don't think there's any big deal that pitcher needs to, I don't know. I don't think the source was ever like leaked or anything, but whoever that pitcher is, he needs to go pound sand. And like, obviously if, if it's a pitcher I like, and I respect, Oh, like obviously I respect you for your play, but let someone do their thing. He's not going to tell you to go prepare for your next start or your relief appearance, whatever differently because he doesn't, he's not going to tell you he doesn't like it. He'll just let you do your thing. So speaking to the routine thing for a second and kind of like the, you know, the pregame stuff that you were talking about, like you with your underwear and everything. Like I used to do the same thing before every high school game, my junior and senior year. I would get out of school. I would go to the cage that was right down the street, like the outdoor batting cage. I think you yeah. know exactly which one I'm talking about. You might. Yeah. Do you know which one I'm talking about? I might, but I'm not sure. Route one orange dinosaur. Oh, yep, yep, yep. So they used to have the extra fast cage. But yep. the thing is, the the thing is, they were coming in faster because they were closer distance, obviously. Yeah. So if they're throwing 75 from you know 45 feet, yeah, that's probably at least like 85 from 60 feet. Yeah. You know, so you know, it's coming in like it's coming in quick. Yeah. Basically, I, I think I I think I screwed that all up, but you know what I meant. It, yeah. It's coming in faster. But I would do that before every game. And then I would say to my coaches, hey, listen, can I not take BP before the game? Because I have my timing down from going to the cage and I just yeah. want to keep that timing for the game. And they understood. Yeah. And then I would go out and perform. Yeah. So, but the point is, is I had that routine and it worked, and there was a reason behind it. Yeah, Tristan Casas has a reason why he's doing what he's doing. Yeah, just like pitchers have routines that they do, just like everyday players, just like everyone has a routine. Even people that aren't professional athletes, like for me, I get up in the morning, I go in the bathroom, I take a shower, I brush my teeth, put my contacts in, and put everything else like deodorant, all that stuff on. Make myself breakfast, make sure I have my lunch and everything that I need, and then I go to work. Yeah, like I'm sure you do the same thing. I. I've noticed that I take this sh- a shower the exact same way, no matter if I'm at home, I'm on the road coaching and I'm in a hotel. Like I take just, it's a habit for me. I take a shower and I wash each body part. Like I could tell you exactly how I'm going to wash my body every time I take a shower. Like I'm that routine. And again, there's nothing wrong with it. No, I'm glad you didn't go into details about that because we are a PG rated podcast. Yes, we are. But anyway, (laughs) maybe PG 13. But anyways, yes, it's all about routines. So I want to know who that Red Sox pitcher is that complained about it. I, I, 
do you do you have an idea or do you want to take an educated guess who it is? I don't know who it is. I'm just wondering if you have a guess. I no, I would not, but maybe we can get Dillo on and get him off air of who uh, it was, just to have an idea. But oh, that would be fantastic. I would love to break that story on this podcast. That'd be incredible. But yeah. whoever it was, and I think it's a former Red Sox pitcher, because I think they said that in the article. I could be mistaken. But I don't know. Just let him do his routine. Like apparently Tristan Casas is open to listening to people and making adjustments. Like good for him. Yeah. He just wants to fit in. He wants to do what he needs to do to help the Red Sox win, which hopefully they win some games this year. Mm-hmm. Actually, one quick question. Red Sox related, and then we'll head out. Yeah. Do you like Rafael Devers hitting second and Masataka Yoshida hitting cleanup? I mean, no, I think you need a guy with more pop and cleanup. I think Devers is a good cleanup. I think it should be switched. I think, obviously, I think, uh, how do you say his name again? Yoshida. 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 I think he's pro-typical two-hitter who he gets on base a lot. He's on base machine. That's why I heard from about him coming home from Japan is his on-base percentage is through the roof. Like, he's incredible. I think that's exactly what you want in your two-holder. But no, obviously, lineups are different than five, ten years ago, the way they're constructed and everything. Um, and, like, Judge hits two a lot, and he's not your prototypical on-base guy. But still, I'm very old school in the fact with my lineup that I like a guy who gets on base in second because then you have your three, four hitters who are your power guys. We'll drive them in. So here's what I have to say. Devers likes to hit second. That's his preference. So if you have, let's say, Kike Hernandez hitting leadoff or a guy like Christian Arroyo maybe hitting leadoff, and then you have Devers, and then you have Justin Turner, then you have Yoshida. Apparently Yoshida's got a little more pop than we think. Even Alex Cora is taking notice and saying, yeah, there's something to this kid. The ball jumps off his bat pretty well. Had a nice double against the Rays the other day to the wall. So, I mean, maybe there's something hidden there that we just we don't know about. So, again, it's going to be a lot of different lineups this year. I've said it before. I'm going to say it again. I think we're going to see an OBP team, an on-base percentage team that's just going to get on base and knock in runs. We're not going to see a lot of home runs except for Devers, I think, and maybe like an Adam Duvall. And I'll tell you this, Powder. Trevor Story comes back sooner rather than later. Makes that lineup a lot better. Oh, definitely. A lot better. He had that stretch in June where I think he had three home runs in the game against Seattle and he had like five home runs that week. He can do that. He can put some pop back in your lineup. Definitely. Definitely can. So we'll see what happens. Mm-hmm. Got, got anything else you want to talk about this week, Powder? No, that's about it. All right. NHL trade deadline is coming on Friday. Maybe the Bruins make another move. Maybe they don't. Who knows? Yeah. Celtics. Hopefully they can catch Milwaukee and secure that one seed that they could really use. Yes, Red Sox are kicking it up in spring training, and NFL free agency is going to start very soon, Powder, a couple weeks. Yep, March 15th. March 15th. And March 10th, mobile betting becomes legal in Massachusetts. Let's go. It's going to be a good time. Yes. As always, make sure to rate and subscribe to the Legends Lingo Podcast on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, Anchor, and everywhere else where you can get access to your podcasts. Again, check out studentunionsports.com, all the latest blogs, all the latest podcasts, college basketball. There's uh, March Madness coming up. 
Make sure to fill out your brackets. Maybe Student Union will do a challenge. A lot of articles about predictions and everything which each, with each conference tournament, so make sure to go check that out. If nothing else, though, that is the handsome, the magnificent Tom Powder Cadmus. I'm your host, Alan Hegan. Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next week for episode 212. Yes, sir.